everybody. Welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tony, and I'm your host. With over a decade in the local church, I care deeply and passionately about helping you connect with Jesus in practical ways. Guys, I am so excited for you to meet Allie Patterson. If you haven't met her yet, you're going to want to get to know her, know her story, and connect to her teaching. She's currently serving as the teaching pastor at Crossroads Church, which is a huge church in Ohio. And what I love about her is that she drips Jesus. She just has so much love and passion for the scripture. She's got a brand new resource out, How to Stay Standing, Three Essential Practices for Building a Faith that Lasts. We get into all the things. It's a great conversation. She's also putting out a new podcast, and she's doing all these incredible things. So, hey, do me a favor, connect with Allie. Let her know that you heard her here on the podcast. Also, if this podcast is uplifting to you, if if it's enjoyable, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen. Leave a rating, a review, and uh, the highest compliment you can give us, share this episode with a friend. Maybe somebody who you know struggles to love the Bible, because Allie can definitely help them with that. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Allie Patterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to have pastor, author, and mom, Allie Patterson. Allie, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, my gosh. It's my pleasure. It's really nice to meet you. So thanks for having me on. I'm super excited uh, to always talk to another Buckeye because uh, there are not many of us, and oh. you are also a Bengals fan and I a Buckeyes am. fan, and we're kindred spirits. Oh I can already gosh. feel it. I am. I grew up in the Columbus, Ohio area. Um, I don't live there now, but my Buckeye stuck. So I am a I am a true um, Buckeye fan through and through, and I believe there's going to be, um, you know, lots of greatness ahead for their for their um, football team, their basketball team. We go watch a lot of basketball because I have two two who are playing basketball, both a, a boy and a girl. So we go watch men's and women's basketball a lot. So yeah, we're and we have family in the area still. So. And I adopted awesome. the Bengals when we moved to Cincinnati a long time ago. Um, I totally adopted the Bengals, but my husband is a, a true, true, true. He He's like from the Boomer Esiason era Bengals fan. So. Yes. I always yeah. love to say if you were a fan of the Bengals when David Klingler was their quarterback, then you know what's up. Like those are the <laughs> those were the rough those yeah. were the rough years long before Joe Anyone Burrow ever got here. Anyone who's just come lately with Joe Burrow, you've had it easy. Let me tell you, the rest right. of us have worked right. for it. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm super excited to jump into this latest resource with you. Um, but one of the questions that I love to ask people, and you've done a lot of things over your ministry career and in your life. Mm-hmm. So, from a, a macro perspective, mm-hmm. h- how would you describe the calling that God has placed on your life? I really feel a call deeply. Everything in in me wants people to be able to connect with God through his word. Hmm. I have like a, a very deep passion for scripture, not because I'm a nerd, even though you could accuse me of that, but because I I just deeply believe that when you get a hold of the voice of God, which thrives in that environment, you will never want to let go of that. And mm. i that's why I use the word connection, because 
I just believe that the, the truth and the word are meant to connect us to the living word. And once we get a hold of that presence in our life of God himself, I just don't think anything else will do. And so I, I very desperately want to introduce people to God through the context of his word, because you don't need me, you need him. <laughs> and so um, if I can do anything to like assist in that connection and demystify things in scripture and talk about how I experience God and how I connect with him in that way, boy, I would love for everyone to know that that's available to them in Christ. It just is right now. So that's my passion. And I have a love of, of the scriptures because of that thriving connection with the living word. So I think that there are a lot of people, a lot of people listening who are, who are like, yes, I I hear what you're saying. And and you're obviously you're dripping with passion about it, which (laughs) I love. Um, how, how do you recommend to people to get started if they're feeling like, man, I'm in this kind of rut where every time I try to start a Bible plan, I end up dying in Leviticus or like, <laughs> you know, or, it's, you know, somewhere, you know, what, what, do, how do you recommend to people to get started to fall in love with the word like you have? Um, gosh, I do think you need a plan. You just said that every time I start a plan, I do think you need a plan. And I think, um, for me, the big The big change point for me is when I started doing things from what I was reading, when Mm. I started doing things um, to make that real in my life. Sometimes that was like, literally just do what it says. And other times it was taking a part of what I had read and either memorizing it, or I I do this thing I call um, creating an anchor from what I've read. I'll take a phrase. Usually it's not a whole verse. Usually it's a phrase or a part of a verse that um, just really struck me for some reason out of what I'm reading. And I commit to like carry that into the rest of my day with me. And you would not believe the number of times that that exact phrase, because the spirit is at work, right? In our connection with us in scripture, you're not alone in that space. And so whatever is going on in that space is usually connected to what God wants to speak to you and show you and do in your life. And so, so many times when I started taking the word and putting it into my everyday life, that's when stuff started to get interesting because I would, um, I would just go like, if I would read a boring part, because let's face it, there's some boring parts, right? There's, (laughs) right. There's only so much you need to know about how the tent was constructed Right. So, um, but once I started taking that and insisting that it like come with me into my everyday life, I started to, I just started to see how God himself is present in his word. And so therefore when I'm not in front of my Bible, I started to be able to connect with him in some really cool, interesting ways. So I love to get super practical. Can you mm-hmm. give us an example of an anchor and like how, like maybe just your last anchor or just one that you can think of off the top of your head, how you would kind of pull that out? I, Cause I, there's just so many people who are listening right now mm-hmm. that are like, Oh, I just don't know if I have a frame of reference for that. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So I will, I will do exactly what I did this morning. I will tell you exactly what I did this morning. I am reading the book of Nehemiah. I'm in Nehemiah. I believe it was chapter nine. 
I'd have to open my Bible to be 100% certain of that, but you'll know it when you read it. I think it's Nehemiah 9, and you get this recounting of the entire history and story of Israel. He's going all the way back through, you called Abraham, and he gives you this big history. And as I was reading it, here's what I'm doing. I'm speaking out loud, literally out loud. This is what I mean, like interactive. When you read the Bible, make it interactive. And I am speaking what that says about God out loud. So it was, you called Abram from Ur of the Chaldeans to a land that you called him to. And I would say out loud, Lord, you call people to go places. And then he would Mm. say something else. And I would say, Lord, you're faithful when we're faithless. And then I would read something else and it would say, Lord, I would just speak out loud to him, Lord, you are full of mercy even when I've turned away from you. So like I'm, I'm, I'm taking for myself what I'm reading in that page. So if you go to Nehemiah 9, you can do this. You're going to read an entire history of the nation of Israel that Nehemiah is giving us. And you too can say, what are you, what do you see of God? What are you taking from that? And I speak it out loud. And I can't tell you when I was done, I was on the elliptical, by the way, when I was doing this, I was at the gym, which I typically do not do. I, I strongly recommend being in a quiet space with God as often as you can be. Today, it was the elliptical for me. So I'm on the elliptical and I'm like whispering it out loud. God, you have plans for me. You have plans mm. for me. And I'm just saying the truth of what I'm reading. But when I do that, I it becomes mine. And, and I need that badly in my life. I need the words that I'm reading to be mine. I don't need them to be some old fairy tale. You know, no thanks. I'm looking for a God that's in my life right now. Not, not some old guy that wrote some boring book. That's not interesting to anybody. So I want him now, presently, in my life. So that's what I do when Amen. I read. <laughs> Amen. I love it. I, I was like, let's let's pass the offering plate. I'm ready. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I think that um, when I when I talk about scripture with people, I think the the biggest thing that I do I try to do I don't actually try to do it. It just usually happens because it's the truth of how I feel about it. Um, I try to go. Do you, do you know what you're reading? Did Did you hear what it mm. said? That's the truth. Do you believe that? Really, really, do you believe that? Mm. And I'll ask myself that question too. I've I've been doing that pretty often lately, like with an issue of trust that I'm facing. Do you, do you believe the words that you just said? Do you believe that he's already beyond you? That he knows exactly what he's doing with you? Do you, do you actually believe it? Or are you going to keep trying to control things and figure out your own way out? So, um, I will often try to stop and own it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's so good. I I think that there, and there's just so many practical applications. You can use that for any scripture. Mm -hmm. Most people wouldn't go to Nehemiah nine. And (laughs) I mean, um, right. It just happened to me when I was reading this morning. Right. 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 But I'm, you know, I talk about, I talk about in the, the book that I wrote, I talk about an instance where I was reading in one of the Gospels um, where Jesus says, if, if a brother has something against you, 
you should leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled to your brother. Mm. So stop, stop coming to me when you, when you know that my, my wish is for you to be reconciled to your brother or your sister in Christ, go take care of that. Now you've honored me. Now you've actually lived my word. So go do that. I was reading that. This was years ago. I was reading that and I felt like, oh, somebody does have something against me and I know her name and I even have her email address. Do do I think this word is for me? Because if I do, guess what? It's time to close the Bible and email that lady. So I did. <laughs> yeah. And how did that go? Well, I'm still probably not her favorite person. <laughs> but I made every I, – I asked for a meeting, which she granted graciously. Um I listened to all the things that she had to say and to the best of my ability made peace with her and we carried on and guess what? We can be in each other's company. We're not, we're not besties. We're probably never going to be all right. That's all right. But, um, we're at peace and that word produced it. And yeah, there's a beautiful, like, I could read that and go like, yes, yes, I agree. You should be reconciled to people that don't like you. Mm-hmm. That's a good principle. I, I What I like is that you just kind of, once you decide that you're going to, the word is for you, then you have to surrender whatever happens because of the word. Totally. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, and chances are it'll get uncomfortable for a, a hot minute. Sure. So, <laughs> sure. Um, I think that the reason that I'm willing to do those, even those small little things, that seems like a little thing, right? Like no one except me and God is ever going to know that I did that, that it was because of him, that it was in response to his word that honors and blesses him, but nobody else is ever going to know. Well, they do now Mm because we're talking about it, but for many years, nobody else knew. Um, I think the thing that, um, that keeps me doing things like that when I read scripture and when I encounter those, those small practical ways that I can honor him or follow him. Um, because you know, when you have a hold of life in the kingdom of God, you can feel that. And when I left that meeting with her, I thought we just gained some ground in the kingdom of God here. His Mm. body is more unified. His character was put on display here. What just happened here matters greatly in the eternal kingdom of God. Does it matter to anybody else here on earth? Absolutely not. It doesn't. As a matter yeah. of fact, most most people would say, forget it. It's not a big deal. Who cares if somebody, you know, who cares if she has something against you? Well, she's a sister in Christ, and apparently Jesus cares. So, <laughs> so, so bam, take that. Exactly. <laughs> but ag- no, again, I, it's, those, so good. it's those small things where it, it really only matters. That's worship, right? Worship is just mm. your response to God. It's, he's, it's your response to him. It's not singing. It, it is singing, but it, our worship is our, our lifestyle. It's living in response to him, I think. So, uh, you're on the teaching team of one of the largest and fastest growing churches in the country. Crossroads is a wonderful um, 
wonderful representation of the kingdom, especially in, in our part of Ohio, Southwest Ohio. Um, h- how do you carry that um, responsibility? Or I, I'm sure sometimes it must feel like a uh, opportunity, and other times it feels like a burden. Mm-hmm. Like so, so you bring the word of God to fifteen, twenty thousand people. You know, at any given time, how does that? Uh, how do you wrestle with that tension of being, you know, one of the major theological voices for a, a fairly large army? Um, I know deeply that whatever is on the inside of me is what will make that worthwhile for anybody else. If there's mm. nothing of depth that I'm living in my real life with God, with my husband, with my children, with my own friends, with my own community, if that is shallow or sacrificed at the altar of some big ministry, it's only a matter of time until that ministry collapses. Because I, I think yeah. the best teachers of the word are people who spend the most of their time trying to live it. And I don't, um, it's funny because sometimes I'll, I'll laugh to myself. My kids will be out and somebody will go, Oh, I know you from crossroads or I recognize you. I saw you online or whatever. And my kids kind of roll their eyes. They're like, you know, they're all, (laughs) they're teenagers. So of course they do. Sure. But, um, I, most of my life is lived in the quiet spaces. It's really not lived in the big public space. And I, I really believe that God, the people that God can trust in those spaces, at least over a long period of time, that's my goal is to be trustworthy, to be teaching people the word of God for the rest of my life. And I know if I want to be trustworthy before God in that, then most of my time, most days should be spent in the quiet spaces with him and living faithfully and continuing to study the word and live the word and do that as faithfully as I can for real with the real people and real things in my life. So, yeah. Um, I love to read dedication pages. Hmm. Um, I, I just think that you really get an, you get a really deep insight into mm-hmm. it. And then I, as I read your, um, cool. I read your dedication page, I'm going to read it for, for the audience. And then I'm just going to ask you to talk a little bit about, um, your relationship, uh, with Bill. So let me, sure. let me read it for Bill. Thank you for your willingness to discover together that Jesus was strong enough to keep us standing. And thank you for always believing in where God is taking me before I do. Such a, a powerful uh, testimony to marriage and to trust. Mm-hmm. And then um, you're very vulnerable in the book mm-hmm. uh, about your marriage and all of that stuff. I'm wondering if you could just talk about um, all of that. Just see wherever sure. the Lord takes you. Of course. Um, so I dedicated the book to my husband because... Really what the book is about is the truth of the parable of the wise and foolish builder. And Jesus tells that parable, um, it's recorded twice, but the one that I come back to a lot in the book, I use them both, but I come back to the one in Luke 6 a lot. 
And what Jesus basically says is anything that you build on me will stand, and anything that you don't build on me is destined to fall. Even if it's standing today, it's Mm. going to fall. And the truth of, of my life story, but primarily lived through the experience in my early years of marriage, is that we did not build a life on him, and we certainly did not build our marriage on him. And we crashed hard and early and primarily because of and through my own sin. And very, very early in our days of marriage, I had an affair with someone at work. And um, at the same time, God was getting a hold of my life again. I, I had a previous I had come to faith truly and earnestly when I was 16 years old. And so when God began to put the squeeze on my life again at that time, I knew very well what was happening. And um, through that, through the confession and then the fallout of that affair, it completely burned our marriage to the ground. And we had every reason to just walk away. We had no children. We had very little assets. We had only just begun. We we would have had, from a world's point of view, a very small, temporary, quote unquote, fallout from that crash, right? And most people in our life said, just walk away. Hmm. Um, And yet... God's work in our life was, it was how God got a hold of us, both as individuals and as a couple. It was through that, that neither one of us could escape his work and his desire, which we knew would be for our marriage. And so here's what I always tell people, because I've had many, many, many people come to me over time with troubled marriages. And the first thing I always say, unless there's a, unless there's a real, I will give a caveat here, unless there's a real physical danger taking place, I would say something else to those people. The vast majority of cases, that is not, that is not the case, right? Um, Unless you are in physical danger, I would say, just don't go right now. Um, If you just, aren't in a hurry to leave and you invite God into that space, it is amazing what he can and will and wants to do. Hmm. And so um, I think we did the just don't go thing for a while while we received some really good counseling and some true, deep, very painful repentance. And we learned how to be married again um, from the ground up. And I could still today, 20-something years later, because it's been a very long time, um, but 20-something years later, I can still get on my face in gratitude for the grace that I was shown from God and from Bill. And I know that, that the fruit of our life together now is so good and so sweet because um, we allowed the time and space for God to work. Um, and so that's what I mean when I dedicate the book to him and I say, um, thanks for discovering because 
thanks for discovering that Jesus was right. He really is good enough. He really is strong enough. He really can rebuild things. He really can bring about true, deep, heartfelt forgiveness. He really can make your life fun again. He really can. You really will feel loving feelings again. Mm. Like, And he means all of that. And he can do all of that. And so for us, it was a process of allowing ourselves the time and space with God to discover that he, he is good and he will restore anything if you give him the chance. So um, that's where that came from. And I, I talk about moments in the book and through the book because the truth of that parable is I lived the truth of that parable. I, I, I had the crash that's coming for all of us in any yeah. part of our life that isn't built on him. And it will come. We, you, you, God cannot be mocked. It will come. So, um, <laughs> amen. I, I just, uh, I'm so filled with gratitude for the life that I get to live because I know that it could have and maybe even should have, in terms of the world's um, expectations, it should have turned out a lot differently. We should not be happily married. We should not have a beautiful life. We should not have four children. We should not have fun together and actually enjoy and love each other. None of that should be true. It's only true because of God's ability and power to re rebuild. And so that's really the heart that's underneath the book. Um, and then I, I'm, I'm just a practical person. I'm pretty pragmatic about how do you actually do that? Like, don't talk in things that I could embroider on a pillow. Tell me actually what to do. Yeah. You know, and I think people are really grateful for that when you take what they want, which is, I want to feel the presence of God in my life. I want his power at work. I want him to lead me. I want him to guide me. Tell me how to set up the circumstances in my life by which that could actually take place. And that's what the book is seeking to do because Jesus says it. It's not me making things up. He actually says it. Um, he says three things are what the wise builder did. And they're actually not hard they just take focus and commitment to actually do them. So I go through the, I go through those three things. And for me, that's the environment. That's the circumstances under which God becomes um, living and present and powerful in, in your life. Yeah. And the, the three things come here. Practice yeah. are kind of the big overarching areas of the, um, of, the, the parable and all the things that are kind of going together with that. I'm curious, which one's the hardest for you? Which one is the hardest for me? Probably come because um, I think because I know that I love Jesus, like big picture, I love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Like that's just true about my life. And because I work in ministry, I think sometimes you can forget that the posture of really coming to him with anything in your life, it it has to be true and deep and honest and personal. I don't think he cares that I go to work at a church. He wants me to come to him. <laughs> right. You know, I don't, I don't think he cares that I research some verse for a sermon. He wants me to bring my heart and lay it down before him. And say, here's here's what where I am in er honestly, Lord. And sometimes I forget. 
I know that sounds so silly, but we're all living very real, very like full lives. And I think we skip over this step of actually bringing our hearts to him, bringing our life to him, opening ourselves up before him. And here's the thing, the foolish builder, he heard the word, but he didn't practice it. And I'll tell you why I think he didn't practice it. I don't think he practiced it because he never came. He Mm. never came to the Lord with his heart. You can sit in a church or listen to a podcast or read a Jesus-focused book and never actually come to him. Yeah. And so I think that's where the rubber meets the road for me is God is not impressed with my teaching ministry. God is impressed when I open myself up before him in a personal way and we make an honest connection. And it's only from that point forward that his work can happen. You can listen to, you can listen to your audio Bible on the way to work and get out and close your door. Will it be of some value? Perhaps. Will it lead you to practice his words in your life? Probably not. And that's what really gets you all the way down to the rock. So I think the foolish builder didn't practice because he never came. He never brought his heart. He heard the words. He didn't do them. So why not? Mm. The only why not for me is he never came. He never actually opened up his heart. And I think it's really hard to do that. I think to be brutally honest with God is the beginning of everything good. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Allie to remind you to sign up for the Spirit and Truth Substack. Spiritandtruth.substack.com is a great way to get connected to some incredible resources. Two articles every single week on what it means to be a spirit-led leader. If you serve any role in the church, I think that you'll benefit from this. It's a, a lot of conversation and dialogues around some of the things that we're passionate about here at the Reclamation Podcast. So go to spiritandtruth.life to learn more, to get signed up, or you can also go to my website at twmilt, twmilt.com, or um, I post about it on Instagram or all the other places. So I hope it's helpful to you. Now let's finish up this conversation with Pastor Allie. One of the things that you write about in the book is um, while you're on on a run, you had um, a face-to-face encounter with Mm -hmm. the Lord. Um. I'm wondering if you might give us a little context to that story. And, uh, and then I'm, the follow-up question is, how do you encounter the Lord today? I mean, how do you, how do you hear from God today? What's that, what's that experience like for you? Sure. Um, that story is, uh, I tell it about this two-word prayer that I prayed on that run. So I'm a runner. I like to run. I still run. I love to run. Um, at that time, I really used it as an escape. And I would I would run. And I was always alone. And, and I started talking to God on this run. And I had these two words. And I felt like they'd just been planted in me. That's all I can say. Is mm. I think that God planted those words in me. I think he wanted me to pray them. But it was going to have to be my choice. I was going to have to come to him. That's what. Yeah. That's really what happened on this run. And I stopped on a sidewalk and I just fell down and I was, I was in the midst of the affair at that point. And I fell down on my knees and I said, I I can't, I can't live like this. I can't do this. And if you've ever been caught 
in a pattern of sin you did not know how to get yourself out of, then you'll understand how I felt at that moment. And I fell down and I said, break me. I didn't say fix it. I didn't say help because I knew that it would take something more than that. And I said, break me, do whatever you need to do. Get me out, break me. And, um, I experienced, (coughs) that's what I, I would say as close to a present encounter with God as, as I had ever been in my life at that point where I knew what's happening to me right now, this, this broke something open in an invisible reality that we don't think about too much, but God is not a force. Like he's not going to force himself upon you. And that's why this practice of coming before him willingly and openly and, and allowing his, his work into your life is so critical. Um, and that was my permission I I was in essence saying, I want you more than I want anything else in my life because I can't, I know that anything good, anything real, anything honest, it's going to come through you. So I'd rather have you than try to paste this all back together on my own. So... That's kind of what started the whole daisy chain of events that led to my confession. And, and of course, the, that was the first step in actually having the life that I have today. And so I go all the way back to that moment. And I think that that was me. That was me coming to Jesus mm. in, in the only way I knew how at that point. And I think, honestly, in a really good way. Like, I think back on that moment and go... Would that I were that honest and that desperate for him every single day, because I was. I I was like, whatever you need to do, I'm on board. Just do it. Um, I don't want people's lives to have to be in that place. <laughs> I really don't. Part of my part of my heart in writing the book is to say we all know that one place in our life or that one area or that relationship or whatever, that's really not quite right. It's got cracks, you know, it's not standing firm. Um, You can invite God into that space today. You don't have to hit your knees as your last ditch effort when you've burned everything to the ground. Please Mm. don't wait that long. (laughs) (laughs) This is me telling you, please don't wait that long. (laughs) It will go better if you invite him in more quickly. So, but I needed that yeah. I, and that's where I was. And that was the truth of my life. And God deals with us in our reality, not in some fanciful notion of who we were supposed to be in who we actually are. And I think he's, I think he's happy to come into your life wherever you are, good, bad, or very, very ugly. Yeah. I think one of the things I have to remind myself all the time is that God is not scared of what I'm scared of. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I can invite God into these rough spots in my life because, you know, my sin, although painful and horrible in my feelings, Mm -hmm. is not new to God, nor does it surprise God or nor does it scare God. Yes. Um, So I think that there's just a lot of wisdom in that. um, And that, and, and 
Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the hardest part for a lot of us in actually coming to Jesus, like in truth and honesty, in whatever part of our life we need him desperately in, is we have to give up the notion that whatever preconceived notion you had, whether it's about yourself or it's about your job or it's about the relationship that's falling apart, whatever, you have to set those aside and be willing to enter into that space and allow God Mm. to work in ways that you would not maybe choose or understand. You have to be willing, willing and open. And I think if anything, that's what prevents me from coming to God. I think the more competent you are, the more informed you are, the more capable of living a decent life you are, the harder time you have coming to the Lord. Like nice people the world over, look out. It's hard to come to God when everything's fine. <laughs> you know, that. And, but I, a lot of times I think that's why he seems to come after those places that are not so fine because they end up being the very space that we can finally bring ourselves to him. Um, it's really hard when you have enough money and you have enough food and you have a decent job and you're kind of nicer than the guy that lives next door to you. It's hard to come before God and go, Hey, I desperately need you. I really desperately need you. I have some pastor friends in Cuba and they're experiencing great revival in their church, Havana central. And I asked them about it once and I said, Hey, why do you guys think that you're having all these miracles and just all these crazy things happening, but we don't see it here in the U S and he looked at me and he didn't even, didn't even take him a second. He goes, oh, they're just not desperate enough. Totally. That I, I actually say in the book, I believe this wholeheartedly. I, I think God is not offended by us coming to him in desperation. I think some people have this notion that like it's, it's kind of like um, disrespectful to God to finally come mm. to him when you just fall apart. I'm like, no, that's not. Like, no, <laughs> that's exactly right. Like, does he wish you would come to him now? Yes, he does. He wants you. You're invited. He's open. He wants you right now. When you're desperate and you don't have anywhere else to go, that that actual story in Nehemiah 9 that I referenced earlier, that's the story of the nation of Israel. God's yeah. people, here's their story. He's really good to them. They forget about it. They sin and they disobey. And he's merciful and kind and faithful enough to them to take them back. And guess what? That's your story too. So when you find yourself in one of those places where you have been sinful or disobedient or forgetful and you've just gone on your merry way without God, he's right there. He's faithful. He's kind. He's merciful to your cries, even when you're the one that turned away from him. That's the story of Israel. Go read Nehemiah 9. So anyway, but it says continually, and they forgot him and they sinned against him. And yet he was faithful and yet he was merciful and yet he took them back. Same, same for you. Same story. Isn't that great? That's such good it's news. My, it's the fullness of the gospel. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really excites me. <laughs> um, oh man! So th- there's three sections to the book, and we're not going to get to talk about all of them in depth. Come here, practice, uh, because I'm. I want to be so practical, and uh, we talk un- under practice. There's there's three areas. There's um, there's actual like practice, expect resistance. And then this last part, which I absolutely love. And I, I promised myself I was going to get to in this interview 
is um, your signature move. Yes. And uh, you break that down into three ways. I'm wondering if you could kind of give us just uh, a little teaser about what, what, uh, how you interpret your signature move and what that means for each of us. Cause I, I love the idea that each of us have, you, you know, a special encounter with the Lord. Yeah. Okay. So this was really born in the thesis that I wrote coming out of seminary, if you can believe that. Um, don't worry, all you potential readers out there, you're not going to read my thesis in this chapter. It's not that, I promise. It's way more fun. <laughs> no, it's very, it's very digestible. Yes. Very digestible. But I, I wanted to say it was really this little idea, this little nugget that was born in... Um, when I wrote my thesis, and basically I went back to, I noticed all through scripture, God God continually calls people back to the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they are held up as true examples of biblical faith. Now, there are plenty of other people that follow their patterns sure. afterwards. However... We are, especially in the Old Testament, they're continually called back to the faith of the patriarchs, of their forefathers. Now, these guys, they did a lot of messing up. These are no, like, these are no, like, perfect dudes. But I wrote my thesis on what, what was that faith that we are being called back to? What is different about that? What is going on there? Why, why is one of the names of God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? It's because they encompass this total picture together of what biblical faith really looks like. And why is that important for us today? Because that's the faith that we, that we are called to. It's the same faith that we're called to exhibit in our own life. So I went back to these guys and I studied their, their lives. And what I saw is that their practice of faith, when the moments that they actually moved, right? Cause these, that we always, Real faith moves, real faith risks and moves and obeys and all that good stuff. So when they moved, they moved in, in slightly different ways, but I see these like overlapping, they, they all, they all certainly showed all aspects of faith, but the moments that changed the trajectory of each one of these guys' lives, they had a slightly different flavor to them. And I thought, oh, this is really interesting. So Abraham, his was obedience. Hmm. When Abraham knew what, when God came and he said, go, Abraham was like, done, check on it. He was, he like, oh, obeyed God. And, um, Jacob, well, I'll go in order. Isaac, Isaac was this guy real interesting. He almost... I don't want to, I don't want to devalue him in any way, but he almost seemed like the recipient, the holder, the passer on of this promise. Mm. He wasn't nearly as active in many ways as you get these real action packed stories of the other guys. His are not quite like that. The quality of his faith was sort of as a holder, a receiver, a passer on, a believer, in this promise that he had inherited and, and he was responsible for passing on. And a key moment in his life is when he did in fact pass that on. And so um, then his son, Jacob, oh man, I know, you know, a Jacob in your life. Jacobs are really easy to identify. They're like hustlers. 
They gotta, they're not leaving anything on the table. They're going to wrestle God. You tell them there's a gray area, they're in it and they're going to figure out how far they can go into it. You know, they're, and they're the people that tend to like go take new territory. They're explorers and they're like, they might even manipulate things, which was Jacob's downfall. So, but they're like kind of, they're hustlers. They're interested in hands-on fight for things, movers, shakers type. And I just built this profile as part of my thesis of biblical faith that it really is encompassing all three of these things to, to obey, to receive and to hustle. Mm. And if you're living a life of biblical faith, you're doing all of those things, right? That's that's what maturity would really look like. Your ability to move in all of those ways. But each of these guys kind of signified one of them. So in, in the book, I just write a little synopsis of each one of those. And I suggest that in your life, you likely will return over the course of your faith. Hopefully you mature and you move in all of these ways, but you will likely return to one of these over and over and over. That is God's way of dealing with you. It's just the way that your life kind of changes course or moves better or your thing that you do with God over and over and over again. And I called it your signature move. And mine is definitely obedience. Um, I'm an Abraham. And I actually, you know what? I wrote a, I wrote a quiz. It's not in the book because it's online. But if you want to link mm. it in your show notes, you can yeah, give it to I'd all your to. listeners. Yeah, yeah. And you can go yes. and take the quiz. And it's just, again, the, the quiz especially is my – it's super short and easy. It's Allie's two cents of some indicators that one of these might be yours. But I think when you read the descriptions, you'll probably get a pretty good idea – Especially if oh, you've been, I immediately saw I well, immediately saw myself as Jacob, Jacob. Jacob for sure. Jacob. Jacob for sure. Yeah. You like to go yeah. and you're a mover. You like to take new ground. Yeah. You're gonna probably I, move I, first and figure out what God meant later. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, when I'm operating in maturity, I'm not manipulating. But when I'm operating in immaturity and mm-hmm. and uh, my own flesh, then I'm definitely manipulating or I can bully people. You know, mm-hmm. like I, totally. I can just kind of push my way in to get what I want sometimes. And it's a dangerous place. As an Abraham, I can get way too caught up in waiting to know whether God really said it. Did God really say it? Jacobs aren't probably going to let that bother them. So much. They're like, ah, that's probably what he meant. You know what I mean? And then Abraham is like, no, no, no. Like, I'm very interested in making sure I obey. And so if the word is unclear or, or you're confused or you're yeah. whatever, you get kind of paralyzed in that. And then Isaac is very, very comfortable in a waiting period, in a receiving. I think my, I think my wife is an Isaac, actually. Yeah. As you, I read this, she's like a vessel. She just holds it in. She yes. kind of lets it. She's very like, hey, coming in, coming out. Like it's very flowy. She doesn't have, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't need to own anything. And she she's perfectly content just following with some, you know, following with going with the group because, well, she's trusting that whoever's leading the group is hearing from the Lord, you know, yes. kind of like, yeah. So. And Isaac is not at all going to be worked up about the the how and the when because the Isaac is like, hey, I know where this is going. God promised this, and it's happening. <coughs> and so I'm not going to get all worked up about all this in-between stuff. I just trust. Mm-hmm. I trust that God's word is good, his promise. And Isaac is going to set you at ease. He, 
an Isaac in your life is going to remind you of where it's all headed, of God's character. His word is good. The promises are going to happen. Oh my gosh, we need Isaacs in our life saying, hey, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget the promise that's over your life. Because in all of your like attempts to get there, God's like, I got this. I really do. And then (laughs) Isaac loves that. And Isaac loves to rest in that. So that's so good. Yeah. So, so good. you can, I'll give you the um, link to the yeah. quiz that I did and you could just put it in um, wherever you keep notes about show your notes, show. Yep. yep. Yeah. And your listeners, if you want to know it's, it'll take you like two minutes and again, take it with a grain of salt. Here's what I would say. Have fun with the quiz. Take it with a grain of salt. Go read the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and see if you don't see some mm. of these themes in their stories. Um, and boy, I mean, Jacob's big moment was he he got in a big old wrestling match with God and he was after his blessing. And you know what makes me laugh about that story is um, he was after a blessing that was his all along. But he, <laughs> but he wanted to experience it and he really needed to know that hands on this is. This is happening. Uh, so, Pastor, you, you're stepping on my toes right now. What is happening? <laughs> uh, but I, anyway, I think God delights in us. And I think that's why I, I have too. so much fun thinking about how God moves and works in our lives. Because the truth is our life is supposed to be a, a fun, delightful, adventurous uncovering of mm. who God is and how we're supposed to relate to him. And I think... It can be fun to discover more about that connection and go like, wait a second, is that really like me? I think that is like me. Um, And the more aware we are of some of those, the easier it is to follow him, which is, of course, what I wish for all of us. So, Yeah, I I think that's so good. And uh, I think the resource that you've created for us is such a a blessing, how to stay standing. I have one more question for you um, before I ask it. I know that my listeners are going to want to connect with you online. Sure. Where's the best place to learn all things Allie? Yes. Um, I have a website and that always has everything you need to know. The Allie Patterson, the Allie Patterson and Allie has two L's, A-L-L-I. Um, people spell it all different ways. Yes. So the Allie com, and um, I'm on social media at that same handle um, on Facebook and Instagram. Also the Allie Patterson. So all the same everywhere. And I would love to do that. I'd love to connect with you. You can also find that quiz. If you find me on social media, it's already on my Instagram. That's another way to get to it. If you're interested in the quiz. And we'll link to all that. We'll link to all that in the show notes. And the people that have taken it are like, yep, that's me totally right on. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So So yeah, I hope that's fun for you. Uh, okay, last question I always love to ask people. It's an advice question. Sure. Except uh, I'm going to ask you to go back and give yourself one piece of advice, and I get to name the season of your life that you do okay. it. Okay, all right. So um, you've been in ministry for a number of years now. I want to take you back to the end of your very first day at Crossroads. And uh, if you could go back in time and sit knee to knee uh, hold hands and look that younger version of yourself in the eye. What's the one piece of advice you're giving her? Oh, it like brought tears to my eyes. Um, it's going to be way better than you even think. Mm. Um, 
that's what I would say to her. I hadn't completely left the idea that I was responsible for everything that would happen in my quote unquote career. Yeah. Cause I had come from a corporate, a corporate career and I wish I had, I wish I had been able to relax into the truth that when God calls you to do something with your life, and I don't just mean vocational ministry, though certainly if there's a calling on you for that, bless you in that. But this could mean anything, really. If God calls you into something in your life, um, he has provided for it, and he will accomplish it. And I, I wish I had been able to know the depth to which that was true. I still felt that I was responsible for making something happen. Yeah. I was responsible for working hard. I was responsible for, you know, being faithful to the things in front of me, certainly. And I'm a, I'm a worker, so I'm never going to. I'm not in danger of shirking my responsibilities, right? Like, otherwise he would have said something different. But to me, I wish I had known the degree to which he would provide the way. Because sometimes, Mm. even after that, I would feel a little lost. Um, I definitely went back into the cave again, where I did not know what God was doing in my life anymore. And in those moments, I wish I, I had gone back to that first day and said, all the twists and turns, he knows exactly what he's doing with you. Exactly. I would have enjoyed the ride a little bit more, I think. So. Amen. Amen. Uh, Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your story and your enthusiasm and just being so uh, joyfully obedient. That's the, that's the word I thought of after our conversation today. Thank you. I will, I will take that and I aspire to, to continue in that. Joyful obedience. And it is. And you know why? Because God is good. And everything he wants for you is good. And so obedience can be joyful even when it's painful because you know you're headed for good. So thanks for having me on. This has been so, so delightful. So fun. I feel like I met a new friend. And I know that you'll be cheering on the Buckeyes with me forevermore. So forever. I like you even more. Yeah. Forever. Hopefully by the time this airs, they've already won a national championship. (laughs) Rematch. Rematch. That's all I'm saying. What a fun dialogue with Pastor Allie. I just love the way she makes the Bible so approachable. I love her love for the Bible. Like I just, you know, Bible nerds are some of my favorite people. And I, I mean that as the highest compliment ever. So like I said, Follow Allie, let her know that you heard her here on the podcast, pick up a copy of her latest book, and uh, thank you so much for being a part of our community. If this conversation was a blessing for you, share it with a friend, somebody who needs to hear this. You know, that one friend that you have who struggles with scripture all the time, this is the kind of conversation for them. Guys, I'm always thankful for your time and the honor it is to live a little bit in your ears every single week. So guys, until next week, remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.